Hello, humans. I am your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business. I talk with sales and HR experts, other small business owners, and anyone else that can provide you with information to clear your way to success. My guest today is Mark Kennison, owner of President's Pub in 19 North. Um, Mark's a Washington and Jefferson alumni and lifelong Washington PA resident. He's been responsible for tons of uh, Washington staples over the last several, several years. Uh, founder of Upper Crust, uh, the Italian Deli, and Rachel Rose's Coffee Shop, which are now Chico Pacello. Uh, President's Pub, 19 North. Forbidden Cellars, I think, is a piece of that, or is that something separate? It's a collaboration with my brother. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Mark's recent focus on 19 North has brought a ton of traffic downtown and has provided the downtown area with uh, a fantastic event venue that's hosted multiple concerts, comedy shows, winners, farmers, markets, jazz festivals, um, and plenty of other things in the past and definitely upcoming. Um, Mark, thanks for uh, being a guest on Clearing the Way. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, okay, so we'll start out um, like I normally do, which is back in school. Um, what kind of student were you? Were you involved in any uh, any activities, anything like that? Um, I You went to Trinity, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, what kind of student were you? What were you involved with? Um, just kind of set the stage a little bit for us. Sure, yeah, uh, Trinity High School. Um, started there in ninth grade. It was a private school, uh, Central Christian Academy before that. So okay. my first uh, public schooling experience was Trinity in uh, ninth grade. So I'd, I'd say I was a scholar athlete, um, straight-A student for the most part. Uh, a couple B's sprinkled in there, um, but also captain the basketball team. I lettered in, you know, several sports. Okay. Uh, so what else did you play? Uh, baseball, track and field. Okay. Soccer. Oh damn. Tennis. Okay. I was. Uh, we were quad A champions uh, with Paul McCune. Well, he was much better than me, so that's why we were uh, tennis champions. But uh, my partner was so good. But yeah, several sports. Uh, loved it. Uh, did that my whole life, and uh, but. Mother was always a stickler for education, so, like, bad grades, like, you don't get to play sports. Yeah. So it was a good mix. Did um, did the school side come naturally for you, or was it um, – did you have to work kind of hard for it? Like, where did you fall in that realm for high school, at least? School academically, um, I was pretty well off. Uh, I just – I did well on testing. I did mm-hmm. well at cramming last minute. I did yeah, well at, yeah. like – the shortcuts that aren't good long-term practices but get good grades in school. Same. So that was good for, you know, report card, but definitely not having to versus someone that has to, like, put 100% effort in to get a grade. Like, you need to put 100% effort into all that you do at all times, and that's kind of a life lesson that, like, after the fact, kind of looking back, like – that you know, you kind of get used to skating by. Uh-huh. Oh, grades are good. That was good <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah. You know, but fully applying yourself and, like, figuring out what your true potential is, that can be a challenge to overcome when school comes easily, the structure of it. Yeah, that was – that actually just came up yesterday when I was talking to Evan that, like, you you do well in, you do well in high school and then you move on and it's like, oh, I actually have no idea how to do – I don't know how to study. Like, I don't know how to do any of this right now. Um which I don't know how you, like, I don't know if you can fix that or I don't know how you do better with that. But, um, yeah, that's a, uh, 
it's funny you bring that up also. So, yeah, well, I think it comes with a, a bit of a confidence. So as you move on, like as things were easy, you naturally just take on maybe too much because mm-hmm. you're thinking like, you mm-hmm. know, you know, there's, there's a ceiling of limit of work in high school. And then the real world, you get to like pick and choose your schedule, college yeah. courses. You can kind of take a heavy schedule, light schedule. You can work while you're in school. And then once I started piling on, like what I realized was a little bit of reality check, like, you know, it's not quite the same <laughs> yeah. now. So we yeah. got to, you know, if you want to be your best and like keep your your reputation high, you know, now it's time to dig a little deeper. And that kind of where like getting used to putting a 100% effort into things like yeah. really started taking its weight. When you, so were you, when you were in high school, did you have any idea, like what was your plan after school or did you have one? Um, I, so it was kind of uh, built in for me. So I knew I wanted to. My mom was like, be a lawyer or a doctor, please. Don't go into business <laughs> like your father. So I, I always plan on going into business like my father as an <laughs> entrepreneur. Just That's just where my heart was. How early did you so, – okay, so two, mm-hmm. two parts there. Part one is I'm asking this from my side because I, uh, I feel like I had a little bit of this. Was it the – and much different things, but was it a – I don't like that you're telling me not to do this, so I, this is what I lean towards. Or were you naturally more interested in the uh, in business? It was natural. Okay, I just okay, I okay, love okay. the idea of being business myself. Uh, always was like growing up, just different, you know, side hustles and different things, little you know, ways to make money, just being creative with it. Okay, uh, I just really like that side of uh, being in control. How how early on did you kind of start any of that? Um, seriously, I'd say, you know, maybe not seriously, right? Um, like, are you, are we talking high school, middle school? Like how, how early I'd say middle school into high school. I was already like, you know, uh, there's like multi-level marketing you can get yeah, into yeah, like yeah, a yeah, young yeah. age, like silly pyramid <laughs> programs, like yeah. trying to get the neighborhood kids on board. Uh-huh. Um, I had a business, uh, grocery getters. I was like, if I could which is a thing now, yeah. but it's called grocery getters. And I would do grocery shopping for people and charge 18% or a percentage <laughs> of like what I, how much I had to buy uh-huh. and take it to them as soon as I got a license. And I had like two customers and, you know, never or anything, but it, anything I could do that, you know, offer convenience or, and a service, uh-huh. um, I, I would try to do. And <laughs> okay, that's uh, cool. So I think it, it really started uh, growing up. I was certain I was going to be a professional athlete. Uh, you know, that dream dies uh, relatively yeah. young. And then once I realized my limitations, then I, I still want to do something on my own. And that's what I said. Maybe, you know, entrepreneurship is probably more likely where I'm headed. Okay. And did you, did you have any interests of like, so, I mean, I went down through, I'm sure I'm missing some things in mm-hmm. that original list, but they're all kind of food industry mm-hmm. related. Was that always a, an interest of yours? Did you, is how, like, we'll get into this deeper, but mm-hmm. early on, did you, um, was food the interest or did you think you were going to provide other, like you had grocery getters, which is like a service-based thing. Mm-hmm. Did you, what, what did you, did you have any idea where you were going to go with business or is it just like, I know I want to do something by myself and I don't know what it is yet. I would say yes. And it also like, Wanting to work with my father, you know, as like mentorship and seeing like him provide, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for his family on his own, you know, the sweat of his brow out mm-hmm. of his hard work. And uh, what did he do? Um, so a few different things, but for the most part, it was start off as a coal miner, 
you know, that was how I met my mother, but then went into, you know, wanted to provide a better life and spend more time with my mother and just a career that works for them. So I went into the insurance business as in the sales, which you could do, okay. um, not being a college graduate, um, kind of learned the ins and outs and really the only one that was really making the, the money owned the insurance agency. Mm-hmm. So in talking to the other people that, uh, that worked, um, with him, realized that the boss could have been a little bit more fair. Um, so he started his own insurance agency and took some people with him okay. and got to see that transition. And then he was now the boss and coming up from the story of a, you know, humble coal miner mm-hmm. from Smithfield, PA, you know, a little town outside of Uniontown to, to be a boss. And then he did very well. And I think it was a lot of his, uh, the sales structure and building up a team. So he was hired by like as a consultant by bigger companies to train their sales staff okay. and kind of how to build a sales team. And so that was growing up. It was, it was insurance, but a lot of consulting work too, okay. as like being good at what you do. Yeah. Can you teach us too? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just thought that was always cool. That's cool. Did, okay. So your mom didn't want you to pursue that. She wanted the safer option. Was there anything that, have you ever asked her about that? Like what, what pushed I mean, I guess as a parent, you probably want the safer. Like those other things are, they feel way more stable. Was that, was that the basis for it? Like, was there something? Yeah, I don't know. That's just it's strange that if if he's doing well, which clearly mm-hmm. was, that it wouldn't be like okay, well maybe maybe they would be get better, maybe they would be equipped for it also. Sure. Well, I think one both my parents grew up poor. Um, so gotcha. my Dad. mother, full-time school, went into nursing, like got a job where she could be independent. Mm-hmm. And so she was in school full-time while a nurse full-time. So her structures worked super hard at a career. Gotcha. And she was able to provide stable means for herself. Yeah. And yes, my dad did well, but coming from the coal mine, the learning curve of success uh-huh. from, we're talking over a decade Plus span. So yeah. like when they first got married, had me small, you know, one bedroom apartment. I think mm-hmm. my crib was in the laundry room next to Trinity High School. Uh, you know, the money wasn't there for a long time. It's a lot of an investment. So kind of riding yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had to hold out for a promise of this will all be worth it in the end. But knowing like coming from not much and not a lot of help from her parents, like she just understood you get a job and you work really hard. Mm-hmm. This up and down and hope and risk taking, like it's a lot. It's a lot, and she's with nothing even remotely familiar to her. Yeah, to see it like in a real world practice, like oh well, that worked out for so and so. No, yeah, they struggled their whole lives, and she didn't want to, so she wanted to go in a career that would pay fair and be secure and stable. That so makes a lot of knowing sense. her partner was doing the opposite. Rolling the <laughs> dice, yeah, yeah, you know she didn't. They didn't know what a bigger piece of the pie looked like. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the ambition was scary to her. So like through those times growing up, you know, there are ups and downs. Businesses yeah. sold, uh, different companies, you know, there's just things that were unfamiliar. So that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you have this interest in business pretty early on. Um, you, when you go to college, what, what were you going for? Bus- so, sure. okay. So business. Yep. Okay. Um, was there, I guess your mom was focused on education so that they're probably, the option to not go was 
probably not as correct. Yeah, it, not going to college was not. Yeah, we were never raised that that was yeah. like an option or take a year off or figure it out. Mm-hmm. It was like you're gonna no matter what pursue education as a yeah. staple or at least foundationally. Yeah, um, and I think so. Uh, went to school for business. Um, me and my father, my father started, but I started working uh, at a dog treat bakery, Just Dogs Gourmet. That's when he got out of the insurance business. Partners wanted to go different ways, and he just wanted to move in a new direction and uh, sold the insurance business. And then one day he approached me and said, Mark, I think I know what I'm doing next. Dog treats. <laughs> and we don't even have a dog at this point. My parents, my mother never even let us have a dog, and he's going into dog treats. And I thought for sure it was a joke. And then he starts (laughs) talking about, oh, no, in California and Europe, they're 10 years ahead of us and spoiling these pets, and the industry is surpassing candy and chocolates. Look at these. And I was like, that just sounds absolutely (laughs) insane. Um, So we did it. Um, Oh, man, we we went forward with it. Uh, We moved into... Uh, Quail Acres, mm-hmm. where Pig and Fire is now. That was my office in that building. So we were in oh, there. Wow. okay. And that little Artemis Botanicals outside of it, that little cool little soap shop, uh-huh. that was our bakery. So it was me and two old ladies, Marcy <laughs> and Janie. Janie's Toll House co- Cookies, and Marcy had something. Marcy's Monster Bones, and old ladies and hair nuts and me cutting, hand-cutting dog treats, <laughs> like on assembly line in a hot little thing with one oven <laughs> And we're producing these treats, and uh, the response to the market was pretty well. Uh, to the point where dog fanatics started coming from all over, because these were human grade, handmade, uh-huh. gluten free. We understood that the intolerances and weed allergies with dogs, and uh, so we started customizing. And then we were throwing dog birthday parties, and there's a big <laughs> playground, and it was it was ridiculous, uh, but really cool because people were infatuated with their pets as they still are. Yeah. But uh, to take the time, you really didn't see in like a Walmart or this or even a PetSmart, mm-hmm. like literally cut by hand and hand decorated for the seasonal to really give a chance, like ultimately like a gourmet bakery yeah. for dogs. That is so – okay, okay. So he comes to you with this idea. Yep. Well, okay, where are you at at this point? High school. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're still in high school. Yes. Damn. Okay. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So okay. Uh, as then I, I realized where this is going. So we decide we open our first store in a mall. So now someone wants uh, we we expand and we go into Robinson Mall, um, and it did really well. And then someone asked, like they fell in love with the idea, and like, can I open my own? And then we realized that now that we see this model, maybe franchising is really the way to go uh-huh. to expand the business. So we sold that store and it did phenomenal. And then the demand for more stores uh, really started coming. So I saw where we were headed and I knew I'm going full time to work mm-hmm. right when I went into college. So it was like, is <laughs> uh, there evenings for production or during the day, like management or office stuff, but it was, it was very difficult to balance a schedule. <sighs> but the rate we were growing I just knew, like, this is something, one, my dad needed me. Like, I'd have to yeah. be there just to keep up with the workload. Like, the business was growing um, as fast as we could grow it with the help we had. Yeah. So I knew, like, I'm going to school. That's why I went to WJ, not just because I love the school in the hometown, but I have to work full-time. So I need to go to the closest college that's going to provide a good education. That is wild. Yep. 
Okay. Damn. Okay. So how long? How long did you? Were you doing that? So it went. Um, 2004, Entrepreneur Magazine named us the one of the top hottest franchises in the country. We made a top 500 list. From that, um, we started on how a, many were how many stores? Oh man, we were probably we were probably up into the double digits at that point. <laughs> Robinson, South Hills. I operate the Crown Center, Ross Park Mall, Cranberry. So locally, we were in every mall, Morgantown. Okay. So once we hit there, and it was the price point, it was easy to get in. Uh-huh. It was the the profit margin was high, the industry, you know, they they believed in it, uh, and then we started on pace of over about two to three stores a month. So we expanded bakeries to uh, Pike Street. Uh, we were actually in the building that I think Helltown Brewing is. Okay. Until that flood happened and nobody had flood insurance because that wasn't a thing up here, uh, but we were right by Cannonsburg. Uh-huh lake slash river you know that yeah, runs yeah. through so our bakery got flooded out and honestly we needed a bigger bakery anyway so we moved back to all productions the washington mall because we could get seven thousand square feet next to joanne fabric uh-huh. so it's like us joanne fabrics pizza boy and shorty so lunch was awesome and we had a ton of square footage and that's when we were able to produce all the product for all the stores and we shipped the product um from we got up to we were in twenty two states and <laughs> twenty two states and uh, we were in Quebec and Vancouver. Uh, we had a store on Qualicom Island, uh, Vancouver Island. Actually, drove the store from New Jersey. I picked up the the model. I drove in a U-Haul to Vancouver. Got on a ferry. It was a thirty five hour drive, but I had to bring a store, so I had to drive a truck. And then we went on Vancouver Island. And then I built them their store, and then that was our first Canada. Getting the product across the border was nuts. Ran out of gas in Montana. Uh, <laughs> it was an adventure. But getting then that's what I would do. So I would travel the country. I would build their store. I would train them. I'd be there for their first week, and then I'd come back home. And then from there, we would send, like, uh, quarterly CDs on training upgrades, uh-huh. and here's what we're going to decorate treats. because so everyone's, you know— Valentine's Day case had mm-hmm. hearts and this and looked like a real bakery. So yeah. we would send like a, a tutorial on how to decorate. So we would send them the raw biscuit baked, uh-huh. um, no preservatives, all you know, all natural. And then they would melt uh, carob and like diabetic chocolates and yogurts and make it healthy for dogs and add natural ingredients for vitamins. And so it actually would be filling some of the gaps in dog food. Uh-huh. But our dog treats would actually supplement as like a health benefit as well. <laughs> Um, so then we're in Mall of America, King of Prussia, um, the high-end stores. So Florida, California, so Jesus. real wealthy areas or like really booming mm-hmm. uh, downtowns or like cool cities. And that was an amazing experience. I learned an unbelievable amount. Um, but as far as what – when I fell in love with developing hometowns mm-hmm. is from traveling the world and seeing like what Washington could be. Uh, 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 and wow. that was okay. one after another. I was like, man, this is, I just fell in love with the vision of like mom and pop own stores, filling back up main uh-huh. streets, people walking up and down to a coffee shop and you're walking dogs and it's just a vibrant life. And it's just businesses that are unique and cool yeah. and only produced in that town. Yeah. So it was just a Damn, special that experience. Is so wild. Okay. That's crazy. 
Um, and you're doing this while in school still. Mm. Jesus. Okay. Um, that's wild. Okay. So when you're going through school, you're expecting that when you're done with school, this is what you're going to be doing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. How long did you end up, how long were you involved with that? So, yeah, once, uh, for sure, it was full time as soon as I could, uh, right after school, then yeah. it was just full, full tilt. And that's more of when I was actually traveling the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was, you know, more when in school is more headquarters, but we were only regionally in this area. So again, 2004, and then a few years later, now we're traveling and now we have a head, headquarters in Birmingham and, you know, we're, we're building a, building a dog treat empire. Um, <laughs> so not only that, I thought I had a full-time job. I also had retirement because it was like, uh, the plan was to grow it to a, 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 a size mm-hmm. and then sell it for the appropriate amount. We had a dollar figure listed on it. We just landed uh, a contract with QVC to go on like the, for like Christmas specials. And it was like more product than we could like produce for all of our stores combined, what their opening order, what it looked like to stock, like to ship. If uh-huh. like orders come pouring in online, we yeah. had to fulfill. And then we had, uh, we were in one of the top six. So we were supposed to, we had a contract also on the table with PetSmart to go into this region <laughs> which would have been on the shelf and end cap for 26 stores would have been 10 times what we were producing just on that contract. Um, so we knew we were at uh, about 56 stores uh, throughout the United States at that time. So the popularity of some of the mm-hmm. publicity from QVC and PetSmart uh, easily would have propelled us to hundred stores, hundred stores would have got us to the dollar figure, the company we all said, mm-hmm. this is a great run. Uh-huh. You know, we're going out on top. Uh, and then the housing market crash came. Um, so, you know, highlight 2006, great year. Come 2007, all of a sudden, uh, with the housing market crash, like retail plummets. Mm-hmm. Where retail really plummets is where 80% of our stores were located, which was in malls. So, mm-hmm. like, as a franchise, like, we were getting fees, but that fee only really fed our growth. Mm-hmm. Not our salaries. I was making 12 bucks an hour had a great share package. So if we yeah. sold, I'm set. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just, everything's going into, let's build this thing. Uh, and we were just working our butts off to just to maintain and yeah. put everything back in the company. Cause it's yeah. a lot when most of your stores are on the West coast, like who's managing, like who's going to a store in mall of America in Minneapolis, or I think that's where it's at. And uh, like, Quality control. Mm-hmm. We have, if it, the treats don't look good, someone comes and wants to buy a store and says, well, that, that bakery wasn't that impressive. Like, there's yeah. a lot of quality control. There's a lot of oversight of a franchise that spread out. How many How many people did you guys have? Like, was it just the two of you doing most of the, like, management? Like, how many people were you up to? So we had, and it was a, it was a, it was a good, it was a good model for what where we're at. We only had, uh, again, we had a headquarters in Birmingham, maybe three, four, and then there was three or four of us here in Washington. Okay. And to manage, we had a master franchise agreement with, if you would take the role of like a master franchisee, mm-hmm. you oversee a territory. Okay. So your job is to manage the, the territory gotcha. of, you know. Yeah, where you're at is so many miles and zip codes we'd figured out and what stores are fall under your jurisdiction 
and then you would get a discount on your royalty. So instead of paying a 4%, you'd pay a 2 which would be a significant, yeah, well worth it to maintain your area. But also they got commissioned on selling stores and they what we had non-competes with, um, you know, just to make sure that there aren't stores yeah. moving too close. It was well-structured. So basically huh. we find our best stores in a region. So, man, you're a great store owner. Would you want to be in charge of this region? We'll give you a discount royalties. It'll save you X amount of dollars, make it well worth your time, and then we could – so that was really our staff was our best store owners became okay. partners with us. So, okay, your dad was in insurance before and in consulting. You're a high school student when you start and you're in college after that. How were you to okay, to figure all this out, to figure out the franchising model, were you going outward for knowledge like were you hiring consultants and things to come in or were you guys just figuring this out? We were mostly figuring out what where we outsourced. <laughs> and there's a lot of figuring out. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. we really like hit it out of the park getting started. But uh, one thing I learned, well, I guess developed and appreciated from my dad's standpoint and my mother both, I'd have to say, like work ethic. A lot of times, like when times get tough, there wasn't, and I still say this, Today, for a lot of things I'm involved, there wasn't really a plan B. Like, yeah. we're going to make it work. Yeah. And it's, you know, your button heads, you're get, but then at night, if as long as the people you're with, you can count on. And that's what fueled the vision and just knowing that we're not going to let each other down. Like, we figured it out. Yeah. And we were able to overcome a lot. Um, housing market crash, that's another story. Yeah. That's yeah. when, like, we stopped selling stores because. A store owner, okay, you know, they want to talk to your last store and, and you're sharing mm. financials and like, oh, your sales are down. Yeah, they're down. How's yeah. Morgantown doing? Uh, that mall actually closed indefinitely. <laughs> and they're like, ah. Uh. And then, yeah. like, our selling stores came to halt. So that was our cash flow. Like, we had royalties, mm. but the royalties isn't that was not money to grow. It yeah. was money to maintain. Yeah. So then we have stores saying, oh, I'm not doing so well in this area. In Florida, maybe they're doing really well because the retirement community isn't uh-huh. affected by this. And maybe California was doing fine because of the money and just the – but other stores that were affected by this, uh, the housing market crash, uh, were affected differently. Yeah. So ultimately we made the decision to uh, – we're not going to sell this thing. Um, we're going to have to sell all the rights of a franchise back to all the individual stores. And let mm. them own them independently and make their decisions uh, based on what's best for their region because um, it's it, it just something we couldn't survive yeah. as, as we were structured. So we had to find – again, we were high-end. This is like mm-hmm. – the quality of our product was luxury. Like mm-hmm. it was – like the Godiva chocolate for dogs. Yeah. So when you walk through, and a lot of a sales pitch, and the reason why we're in so many malls, like foot traffic-wise, kids would walk by, they'd see this bakery case just looking delicious. <laughs> and their dog treats. <laughs> mom, mom, they get this cookie. The mom's buying these cookies. And we wait a while. And we let them know. We're like, you do know those are dog treats. And they're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then we'll grab one and eat it. Or have them try like, uh-huh. one of the dog candies. And like they're like thinking we're out of our mind. And then you're like, tell them what it's made of. Like, yeah. This is 100% human grade. It's actually just like way healthier than a cookie. That's yeah. why it's good for your dog too. <laughs> like we know what we're doing. And that was, people just thought that was hilarious, but we got so many people stopping thinking we were a human bakery. Yeah. And that was actually <laughs> one of the the things that our stores did. We won second best looking uh, kiosk design. Godiva chocolate did beat us number one. And I can't remember what um, national publication it was, but we won awards for our store design. Um, 
So some people use their store and they did open a people bakery or huh. a jewelry store or we again we found a bakery in uh in Canada that could produce just not quite the quality but at half the cost so mm-hmm. they could lower and become more competitive with hmm. that was the time when uh everyone went back to Walmart and Target only finally uh-huh. you know went away from it and we thought small towns were coming back and and uh you know mall traffic was up and it was more you know stores and yeah. retail was up um we found a lot of uh online shopping discounts and like you know back to like an inferior product but because it was for the savings wise a lot of people took that panic like Mm -hmm. we can't be spending much on on dog treats or people treats or really anything like that so there was a it was a big huge flip in our industry and we were just again 80 percent being in malls and malls were just plummeting uh that was when we realized that uh, maybe we wish we would have sold a little sooner, yeah. you know, and taken less, but we were, it just, but I mean, what do you, like, you can't predict, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, were you doing anything online at that point? We were developing online. Okay. Like e-commerce was like, yeah. we were behind, not, f- we were behind based on what happened. Mm-hmm. We were competitive based on like where everybody was at this time. Yeah. Like e-commerce was yeah. a thing Yeah. and it was going to be each store and th- we would have, we would have survived had this been already implemented. Yeah. Each store had a would have been a fulfillment center. So your okay. orders come in from the internet that yep. we house all the software in the back office and wherever that order is placed, we know what store gets that sale. Uh-huh. So if your zip code and you have a radius, same with your non-compete clause with stores, you would fulfill those orders. So you don't have to rely on foot traffic mm-hmm. anymore. You would just get orders coming in for the web and whatever store was in that regionally that made the most sense for shipping. Yeah. Because um, it was a perishable product, so that was important. Not yeah. shipping to the West Coast and then yeah. you're, you know, something could yeah. happen. Time, breakage, yeah. UPS and how they handle package. You know, it's just yeah, like yeah. the less distance, the better. Yeah. Um, and it's just something we did not have. Like hired a company to build it, um, but we we just weren't there in time to That's be able to offer uh, online sales to survive, like, the exodus of yeah. mall traffic. So, okay, so – we're spending way more time on this than I imagined, but mm. this is all good. So, okay, is there anything preparing for that, before that downturn? Um, was there anything you think you could have done? I mean, obviously starting internet, like mm-hmm. starting e-commerce sooner, sure. Was there anything else that you think you there was room for improvement that could have helped to... Um, yeah, to to keep it either maintaining or growing during that time, and no is also a valid answer. There, right. like, because I don't. I was shit. I was in middle school. Yeah, I was in middle school. So like, I don't know what the hell is going right. on then. You know, like I don't know how how big of a runway there was or how much vision there was to see like this thing coming. Um, so no is also a valid answer. But was there anything you think you could have done differently? Um, in looking forward to to help? What we could have done, um, and I'm not saying this would have saved the yeah, ship, yeah. but Just one thing we realized and, like, lesson learned, and, like, we were, uh, once we hit our stride, like, we were able to expand, and now we had a president, a vice president. You know, we're hiring this, this creating this corporate structure just yeah. out of sheer need. And the process was not you know, maybe as thorough as it could have been. Maybe we didn't hire, like, the all-stars that 
uh, you know, if we would have taken our time, the vetting process. So okay. there were people that were, you know, qualified and, you know, they saw the growth and everything was wonderful. And it was, you know, the stress was low. Bills were all paid. The money's coming mm-hmm. in steadily. There's no issue with salaries. You know, it was, we were offered yeah. of fair wages. Uh, but then times got tough. And, uh, you know, first thing we did, we stopped paying ourselves. I mean, that's, it, the company's got to survive. And, and and people were more worried, well, how much are my shares worth now? And mm-hmm. I was took this job based on this. And nobody was willing to pull up their bootstraps and actually, like, come together as a team. Yeah. And we kind of realized we built at the rate we had to facilitate two to three store opening a month. It, it was a bit of a deck of cards with the management structure and the people gotcha. we put in positions that had they been of a more character we needed to, again, now yeah. you're surviving, well, uh, uh, yeah. this, you know, potentially like similar to the second great depression yeah. in a lot of, in a lot yeah. of markets. So it's not like, yeah. you know, we're asking a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but seeing how people change when times got tough versus mm-hmm. when times were easy, we realized we had people in positions that weren't the right people for those positions. And that's... Well, that's where you guys, you still owned it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's always that's always a tough thing too, though, because as the owners, like nobody, even it, you can vet, you can do all the things and you can probably get people that are going to be equally as invested or close. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if they're there to get their pay like if they they're not owning it there is a difference which is i mean you try to weed that out as much as possible and i'm sure there were some things that you could have seen beforehand or whatever but like yeah I, that's one of those that i feel like even in you could you have done that better maybe mm-hmm. but that's going to be there especially given the time it's like for sure yeah like like you said like this isn't just like oh we're we're taking a little bit of a loss this right. month. It wasn't like, a cyclical no, downturn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was devastating. Yeah. And um, it, that was kind of what led to the decision where with the group of people we have, mm-hmm. we're not going to pull through and we need to, we had the option to try or the option to sell the rights back to the mm-hmm. franchisees. Now they're not paying a royalty. Now they have a cheaper product. Let's let them all survive. Yeah. The store Mall of America is still there. The bottom the uh, the stairwell and like the stores That's are cool. still there. Just Dogs Gourmet is uh-huh. what the. Um, once we expand outside of Pennsylvania, we we went from Dogs Rule, which is Quell Acres, which is also still there, um, to Just Dogs Gourmet. Just I think Pedigree, Dogs Rule is the end of their commercials. So we like had to change the name of our whole yeah. company and yeah. rebrand everything <laughs> yeah. because of that well, as soon as we crossed into <laughs> California. Um, so we were just dogs. Gourmet. So the store still exists, but they're independently yeah. owned. And, and it was just, that's cool. Um, we didn't have a team of people that said to, to rally behind and mm-hmm. believe we could pull through it. Just like, you know, guys, it was a good run. It's time for us all head our head around directions. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's wild. That is such a crazy, like first, real step into business like oh, yeah. from high school into this thing it's like whoa yeah okay welcome so okay so you're through school obviously what were did you what what was your plan after that what did you think you were going to do next no clue literally okay. thought i was close to retirement and this was you know in my, <laughs> in my uh, or at least like you know yeah, yeah, yeah there's not a lot of stress i can kind of pick and choose what i want to do maybe invest in something cool uh-huh. um so yeah it was uh, and, and I've been pretty quick. So that's, you know, I put 
Tooth, we opened in 2000, and December 21st, 2002 was our grand opening. So here we are, you know, a good seven years uh, invested That's into something. That's damn quick. Yeah, and from <laughs> after seven years, then it went down, right. The growth was quick, but the, the decline yeah. even, you know, much faster. So I remember um, I've got a heart for rebuilding my hometown because mm-hmm. I've seen beautiful hometowns. Small towns thriving across America. So that was like, okay, I just, that was, you know, a passion that was yeah. instilled. Um, didn't know what I was going to do with that, um, but I just kind of knew, also burned from a corporate structure. Like all these people that, you know, I'm thinking, like, let us down, in essence, like all the opportunity in the world. Yeah. Um, and it was just very disappointing to see how people change when it's time to actually do the hard work mm-hmm. to make the tough decisions to really like, and now it's less learned because you're right. Because as if it's not yours, they're not similarly invested. It's easy to get the team on board on someone. Things are going really well and yeah. easy. Um, when you see our true character, when it's time to survive uh, something difficult, yeah. And that's kind of where you test who your real partners are. Yeah. So I was kind of burned on that model, like relying on a lot of people. So I was like, you know what? I want to rely on a lot of people. I don't want to travel around the country, even though I loved it. I want to start back where I started in my hometown, and I want to make it great. I don't know exactly how, but. <laughs> Uh, I just, and that's what I told my dad. Cause he was like, well, what are you going to do, son? I said, I don't know, dad, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, we're just, we really don't know. Yeah. So what we did was I went to, uh, we went to see, this was Washington's very first farmer's market where it is now before it mm-hmm. had the pavilion. And I said, well, that's great because there is nothing left in Washington. So farmer's market, it, you know, it's working on the area. So yeah. I was like, we want to support it. So we went to the first one. And went to the farmer's market, and there was nothing there, um, hardly. Yeah. Good, good damn. But also early in the season, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. produce wasn't there. Very few vendors. And I, but still, I was proud. I was like, all right, watch. And that is, this is the start of something, mm-hmm. like, new and— uh, It's progress. It's progress. Something. It's something. Um, so I we parked on the opposite side, like Vicelli's side, and we walked, I walked over. And then I walked down, and it was— um, the Bamboo Garden, which is where I, the restaurant before the Upper Crust, and it's been closed for a while. They, they went overseas, never came back, kind of mm-hmm. kind of situation. Um, so as we're walking back, I just we passed it, and uh, I looked on the the front door, and it just said uh, for rent, and, and a no, piece of notebook paper and a phone number. <laughs> and uh, then my dad's like. Son, you always said you want to open a restaurant. I said, yeah, I did. So we called, and I signed the lease two days later. And then With was, no plan for what you no were going to do. No plan whatsoever. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. I just knew. I was like, okay. Restaurant was on the bucket list. And I, I, to answer a question from a while back, just to preface the story a little bit. So growing up, grandmothers, both sides, phenomenal cooks, fell in love with mm-hmm. food. It every, holidays. It just there's red sauce every meal. It uh-huh. was just a beautiful Italian tradition, and it's just uh, was a special part. Now home life, mother full time in college. Mm-hmm. She was in school for most of her life to find from a master's in nursing to a doctorate in higher education, Damn. while okay. full time nursing to pay for it. Yeah, uh, you know we used to complain about the dinners we would get at my mom's table, and she could care less. She worked her butt off and didn't deserve to hear it from us and mm-hmm. us be ungrateful. And she said, if you want to eat like that, then you better learn to cook, son. 
So that's fine. So <laughs> from that passion, when okay. the time with my grandmothers, I started doing the cooking for the family. Okay. And I definitely loved it. The passion grew and it became a staple in our household where now my dad's into cooking and this and something once my grandparents passed, we stopped seeing family as much. And so those those family dinners, those holiday meals kind of went away. Yeah. And then I kind of brought them back and I realized how important it is to, to bring people back to the dinner table. Okay. So that put restaurant on the list sense. because yeah. it just, it touched me um, as far as just the importance of bringing people together, yeah. not just the food, not yeah, just because yeah, yeah. the fun of cooking and, and things tasting well, the experiencing breaking bread and yeah. what that means in today's culture and how relevant it still is. Um, so I just knew that I thought a restaurant in Washington that would be something that would be uniquely created that would bring people. And that's another thing I lost working like right out of college, like my friends, mm-hmm. like a life outside of, and it's not like you get to quit working, you know, Yeah. but I wanted a business where people would come see me mm-hmm. and I could feed them and we could catch up and yeah. we could talk and I can Damn, send them something home sense. to the, yeah. so, you know, hey, That's take cool. some cannolis home for your wife because I know she couldn't be here. And I got to at least interact with my community again, yeah. my friends again. And I got to be a part of. I got to be a part of Washington. Yeah. And that's why I knew, like, putting a restaurant right on Main Street when, like, we've only seen closures mm-hmm. um, was really important to me. And, uh, but, yeah, we got in there. I said, well, what kind of restaurant? I said, I don't even know. <laughs> I have no culinary background. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I can dog treats. You know, I yeah. like bakery. Like, I have some. Well, some... but I'm sure that there was some, there was a lot in the learning as far as the, um it's maybe a stretch, but I'm sure there was a lot that you learned there that carries over to at least making things at larger quantities because mm-hmm. making things for family is like, all right, it's a couple people. It's, right. I make it, I'm done. Oh, absolutely. Cool. But th- I'm sure there was something, there were some things that, that you picked up from that that were probably helpful in starting the restaurant, I would imagine. For sure. And that that's food industry and maybe mm-hmm. that's just business. Yeah. Just the business experience like the real cost of product. Mm-hmm. Sourcing the best ingredients. Also the but keeping price in mind. Yeah. And then understanding what a batch costs. Understanding if you multiply it, the efficiency uh-huh. and just kind of like a working model of how do I make a product that I can sell for a profit. Yeah. Like that was all the same kind of wheelhouse. Yeah. And then managing people and just just um and you know was, uh Dog treats was made from fresh dough. So I'm used to making dough. Yeah. I know the feel of it. So there's there's also things in specific to the upper crust that came from what I was doing in the bakery because there was a lot of baking to it. Um, we baked all our own desserts. Uh-huh. You know, So that's kind of stuff what I was used to different types of ovens and control and, and cooling processes and drying. So yeah. uh, it was – it made it familiar um, – did not make opening a restaurant any easier. <laughs> yeah. It gave me some like an idea of what to do, but then like you know, getting open, you realize, man, this restaurant stuff is difficult. And then you're in you know a, a really struggling Main Street, a very desolate yeah. Main Street, and you don't have the foot traffic, and you're 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 running on uh you know hopes and dreams mm-hmm. and goodwill, which is has to because it's yeah. got to be passion. If you're going to be making a restaurant, you better yeah. be passionate about. It. If you're doing it just because that's a that'd be a good job. Uh, you're out of your mind. Yeah, <laughs> you better you better love it because you're not in the right business if you don't. So okay, so how did you how did you come up with the idea for that was upper that ended up being upper crust. Yep. Okay, how did that? Where'd you come up with that so, concept? Um, which I was so bummed whenever I, I was know. done, but well, coming we'll, back, coming back. <laughs> but um, 
so I was thinking, okay, I got to kind of baby steps here. Mm-hmm. Pizza, sandwiches, soup, salads, you know, that could kind of get, again, I'm without a culinary yeah. degree or a real experience in restaurant or anything like fine dining, I'm not, I'm not going to open yeah. like the restaurant I pictured, like maybe I would grow to one uh-huh. day. So like, I was honest with myself, what do you love? I love pizza. Were there any pizza places in Washington that weren't a franchise at that time? I don't think so. So there isn't really, you know, I mean, there's Osos, there's some on the outskirts, yeah, 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 but yeah. you know, what I yeah. was thinking around pie, mm-hmm. um, the style of pizza I was picturing. Um, no, not really. You know, Domino's and we had some chains, but yeah. you know, I, well, I didn't think that was real pizza. Not really great pizza. Yeah, it was yeah, good, yeah. not great. So I was like, you know, I think I can make great pizza. I really do. I believe that. Good delivery pizza, not good, like, I don't want to sit here and eat. Absolutely. Yeah. And we didn't, we, we, yeah, okay. So then I was uh, sourcing when I could for, so that was the vision. So I was like, okay, pizza shop. Um, so then I had to like, okay, get into pizza. So then I had pizza ovens and I, what I've seen, and then I'm reading like Napoleonic Code and what true pizza is supposed to be. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm doing this wrong. I was like, I need to build a wood fire brick oven because that's what pizza is. And I said, that is what would put Wash on the map as something that you're not going to find, not just in Washington, but you're not going to yeah. find the surrounding areas. Because the point is to drive people back to Washington, mm-hmm. to come back, to not have to drive to Pittsburgh for yeah. every experience you want to have. Yeah. What can we offer that's an experience worth driving this direction? And I believe to center around uh, the pizza oven I was going to build. So I sold my pizza ovens, um, was enough money. Uh, got down, I had to sell my car. And I literally sold my car to buy bricks and cement and insulation. And it took me months. Um, but I built the brick oven by hand, brick by brick, uh, and made that the centerpiece of the restaurant. And that was going to be like what made it, what made the upper crust uh-huh. special. It was a not only just a true wood fire brick oven, it was built by the owner himself, like yeah. every brick down to the keystone, like I did it by myself. <laughs> uh, my first masonry project as well. Uh, so there's okay. also the, the risk of that. Cause I remember telling someone one day, I was like, Oh God, if this doesn't cook great pizza, like I'm <laughs> absolutely out of business day one. Okay, uh, so you had, you were building that, and then opening. Yep. So it was just pe- originally pizza, some of the other... Sandwiches, soups, yeah, salads. Some of the, yep. like standard Center pizza. Around a, pizza okay. a pizza menu. Yep. So Okay, so how long did that take before you, from signing, hey, um, I'm now renting this place, and you opening, how long do we you think? We started gutting the place in, I think, September of 2009, and then opened June 4th, 2010. So... Again, I had about half the money I needed, so like took way longer, because mm-hmm. like yeah, you know, again, you know, you can have some business experience, but just starting a restaurant, like I was off on a lot of things, mm-hmm. so it was just inexperiencing a lot. Um, construction only new basic handy stuff. Yeah. So me doing it to save money took twice, also twice as long. Uh-huh. Um, so there is a lot, even more learning now. You know. It was different before our stores were designed by a company and I had instructions. I put it together yeah. and I and assembled it. Yeah. And it was already electrical diagrams and things like that. But an old Chinese restaurant that was needed, <laughs> completely gutted out and to the brick to start over um, was an undertaking like, 
you know, oh man, I had free rent up front. I understand why now. Because once I realized like nothing worked and the electric yeah. was a nightmare once you looked on the drop ceiling and the plumbing from upstairs was leaking on me every time someone showered in a certain apartment. Then I realized like, okay, I'm really, really in deep here. Yeah. You know, so that was like another obstacle, like, a, you know, just to getting the point to opening um, based on just the challenges, actually building the restaurant, mm-hmm. not just the vision, understanding actually the, the recipes was like the easy part. Yeah. Building the restaurant and actually trying to work with a budget was was where the, like the real challenge, like the next thing that I learned lesson wise, uh, how much work and thought processing to go behind, like a build out of a concept. Yeah. Um, Big again, big learning curve. <laughs> so, damn. Okay, huh? That's wild. Okay, so you sign this lease, you get a couple months free, but you also are um, you have no concept for a restaurant. Now you have that. You've built it out. You finally open. Um, well, let's actually let's stay on that for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. What was there anything during that process? Obviously, you find the place and you sign it two days later with no real plan. That's wild, um, but it kind of works out. Was there anything <clears> – <throat> not kind of. It definitely worked out. Is there anything in that beginning to opening phase that you are doing differently now when you're opening th- opening new restaurants or new ventures? Or is there anything that was specific to, to that circumstance that you could have done differently um, that doesn't require extra money or doesn't require, like, is there, what, what did you learn from that? Um, obviously you mentioned the budgeting, you mentioned some mm-hmm. of those types of things, but was there anything else in just the, the lead up to opening that was really like mind opening? Yeah. The whole, I mean, the whole process was mind opening for sure. And, uh, then you, I mean, I think I've, I learned everything. So I'm like, how much did you learn? <laughs> oh, I learned. Oh, I could do this with my eyes closed now. Uh-huh. Then you try to open something like bigger or different. You're like, again, I'm out of money again. It's going to cost how much? Uh, and then there's, so it took like a few times kind of getting it wrong or mm-hmm. let's say a rocky start. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's still rocky starts for anything I do. Uh, <laughs> but I'm aggressive and I'm ambitious and it's because I just, I dream big and it's, it's probably bigger than what I'm comfortable with. It's bigger than what I've done before. Um, I can't help but to believe just big things for Washington. So like if it's an expression that I'm going to put my name on, like I, I lean towards the side of like going all in. Yeah, just, let's make this sling dope. Yeah. Let's make it sick. 100%. Okay, so with that, is it a um, – is it the planning? Is it just – actually, you mentioned this earlier. Is it the biting off a little bit more than – is it the expectations for what's going – what it's going to take? Is that – is that the where the the rough patch at the beginning? Is that where it comes from? That's part of it. I mean, definitely uh, the time spent, you know, jumping all in. Maybe you could always wait a little bit longer. But then, like, I have a hard time. Yeah, we all do. Like, an opportunity presents itself. You're like, man, it feels right inside. Uh huh. You know, and then you jump in, and you know, sure, you, you maybe it's okay to pass on some opportunities because maybe it's just a preparation phase for mm-hmm. what's next to come. First, always like a pioneer right into uh-huh. like, you know, you know, it's just there's there's a balance between yeah. passion and rationality that as business owners, like you're all heart. If you're a business owner, you have got a big heart. Yeah. You believe in something, you believe in yourself, which is 
beautiful. Yeah. Um, but the rational side of the dollars and cents and the nuts and the bolts and yeah. do I actually have, say I'm very successful and I bring all these people in and then you realize the size of the team you need. Do I have the people with me to maintain that growth and reputation or are you going to be open to close, yeah. filling in the gaps and now you're balancing that passion versus um, – it, it the business taking its toll on like kind of what inspired yeah. it in the first place. That's a yeah. That's a whole. Well, and that's tough too because if you if you don't do things because of that, then it's like well finding finding those right situations that's difficult in itself. So it's like okay, well, do you just never do anything? Right. Or you do everything and just kind of figure it out as you go. And it's like, I mean, is there a right way? Probably not. Like you could mm. do both. You could wait. You can plan forever and then. Finally, you get your one chance and you do the one thing and that works. Or you don't plan a lot and you start something and then do the planning while you're doing it. And then you do a bunch of things and they all can work too. Like I, there's not a right way. It's just sometimes it might be a little bit more difficult. It's like, For well, sure. if I would have planned a little bit more, this might have been easier. But I also might not have done this if I planned yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting thing that... Um, a contradictor, like a, one of the first things I learned. And when we first started franchising, we had people that were real passionate and they just love their hometowns. And, you know, mm. we were selling them stores and uh, they didn't do well, which wasn't good for them because we feel so bad. They're mm -hmm. not making money. They can't afford it. So we had stores closed. It's not like everyone we opened was successful. Yeah. Uh, and that's when we realized we had to really vet like location, mm -hmm. like okay, like we would never put a store in Washington, Main Street. Yeah, there is no disposable income foot traffic to support that kind of yeah. store, and we had to turn people down to save them the heartache of not making money. So mm -hmm. it's always like they said, location, location, mm -hmm. and people are like Mark, you ever think about your location? Like these are great, but shouldn't you just have went somewhere with like a lot more money? Or like if you did the studies, they're all right. But I don't care because my plan wasn't to open a business that just made money. It was to restore my hometown. Yeah. So at the end of the day, if you're going to weigh the odds, like you have to just follow your heart. Mm -hmm. Because if you do, then most likely that your effort will surpass the obstacles that, uh, that come up. Yeah. Well, and with that approach, it's like, okay, again, if I look at all the studies, this says no. Mm. But I'm not building. I'm building for the future here. Like I'm trying to create something. So, sure, there might not be traffic. I'm trying to create that. For day. sure. And that is a much different approach that, like, again, if you're franchising, someone's probably not going to offer you that spot mm -hmm. in downtown Washington because it doesn't really work for that model. But if you're opening a small business where it's like the passion is there, you're trying to create something. For sure. Like, okay, this might be enough. And the passion— We still need to look at some of the—, some of the like. Passion can take you so far and maybe, like you said, like maybe it doesn't work, but you could also be the catalyst to or a piece of the catalyst that, that helps to drive traffic to your, your hometown or your, whatever your town is. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's a much different way of viewing that, that location piece. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Okay, so you've got... You've got upper crust. Um, was that the only? Th How long was that the only thing that was upper crust that you had? open in two thousand and ten? 
Um, I had the, when I originally opened the upper crust, I had a deli case in the center of the, the divide, the kitchen. So mm-hmm. I had like a vision for retail, like Pen Mac. So I merged okay. like Pen Mac and, you know, pizza shop, yeah. semi together and not a good idea. <laughs> Just, you know, cause I like, I'm cooking, I, I got a not 800 degree oven yeah. and I'm cooking, you know, two minute pies and then a little sweet old lady needs a quarter pound of prosciutto <laughs> and expects me to stop, come over, get the slicer for a quarter pound yeah. for, you know, and I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know? And I said, perhaps these are two different stores. Yeah. Yeah. But people love the ingredient. Mark, why are you, you know, what's, What's different? Why do I really like this sandwich so more? It's just an Italian hoagie. I said, yeah, when I tell them where it comes from, I mm-hmm. said, you may not know. Here's where your capicola comes from. Mm-hmm. Here's why I don't use this brand for this. Um, you know, then you know, we had a dessert case right by that. And people are like, oh, this is great. And are these homemade? At first, no, I was just buying them. Mm-hmm. And then I could only say no so many times. I said, I got to learn to bake like uh-huh. people bakery. So then I started baking and I did all the tiramisu's. Uh, the cheesecakes, cannolis, like staples. Yeah. And people are like, oh, can I, I need one. I need a whole one for my birthday or I need this. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm really not into this business, but I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. going to say no. Yeah. And then uh, the opportunity. So down the road was, so this would be an end of 2012. Washington had a used bookstore uh, in what was Washington's first hotel, which now, um, it's where Chica Bocello is currently mm-hmm. to the left is where they have the, like the deli case side mm-hmm. of things. And to the left is the, the hair, hair place. So, uh, the used bookstore, which literally sold books for a dollar. Uh, I don't know how they would be open anyway, uh, was for rent. And I said, you know, and people were like, the response to the upper crust was amazing. I can't mm-hmm. thank the community enough for like rallying behind, like yeah. what I was trying to do. And then I said, I've always made products people want. I said, I could put this, f- divide the businesses as I should, mm-hmm. have the retail. It was called the Italian Market. And I opened my mini pen Mac where the used bookstore was. Okay. Literally took the shell, bookshelves off the wall. There are no outlets. Another lesson learned. Like, <laughs> all right, open a retail store. Let's get this thing powered up. Oh, no electrical outlets. Okay. That's a problem. Problem. So I bring in these ovens <laughs> and like my dog treat ovens, which are boss, but they're three-phase. Oh, building hasn't have three-phase power. Can't be too bad, right? It's, you know, right by that. It's like then you realize the cost of running three-phase power to building, and then you're finally like, man, I'm out of money again. <laughs> these ideas are expensive. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then I finally build it out, and I have my Italian market. But it was supposed to be a bakery piece, too. And I realized that the whole kitchen took up the whole space. So I don't actually have enough room for what I wanted to divide and do in the first place. So I did what I could. And it was just I couldn't. I mean, I, very limited mm-hmm. based on the size I had now. But it was still uh, an olive bar. You know, you come by our homemade meatballs in the cooler, uh, meat and cheese by the pound. Now mm-hmm. you had someone working the deli counter. Yeah. Bread works delivered on a regular basis and was delivering fresh bread. And then people, the old school washing people started coming out like, Mark, let me tell you, this is just like I remember back in so-and-so. Then I start getting like the old history washing uh-huh. when I was a thriving downtown. And we used to walk from this store to this store and this drug store. And I got you to get a history lesson on a daily basis from anybody that's from Washington. Uh-huh. And they're just like, Mark, we could ask you just like keep doing this because this is what it used to be like. This is how it grew up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, no matter how difficult this is, like I'm going to keep doing it because it's just – 
one every sort of time was something that we had lost at some time or another. Yeah. Uh, and putting it back like meant so much to like actually restore like things that used to be. And then people tell me what it used to be. And this yeah. is just like what I didn't know that. I didn't know the history of Washington made it great, but I was filling in naturally like what we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And people would tell me how they we used to have this. This soda fountain used to be up here and, and different unique expressions. Yeah. You didn't realize how cool Washington, you see the pictures of like all the yeah. people all over the streets yeah. and the cars can't get by. That's awesome. But you don't hear the stories of what was so uniquely special that brought all those people downtown. And so me having to like work in Delhi kind of work, work on like a retail customer basis and then hear these stories from people that grew up here was like, again, That's it, cool. it kind of like now I'm baking at 5 a.m. and I'm tossing mm-hmm. pizzas by 11 and my schedule is like I'm already too thin. Um, but hearing the stories of how it how it what it means to them to be able to walk around, wash again, shop and do things uh is really it, that's what the, the it kept the passion greater yeah. than the obstacle. That's cool. So how were you how were you splitting your time at that point? Like were you working Yeah, I mean that's a lot going on. How mm-hmm. were you like obviously you said you had people working down um, at the deli, but like how were you managing your time and how the hell were you managing both businesses? Like how did <laughs> How were you, like, personally, were you managing that? Not very well. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) Okay. Um, It got to a point where, because, you know, again, so this was, like, I was hiring bakers, like, out of bakery school. I was like, and they weren't as good as me. And, I mean, I cared more, but, like, I was interviewing, and they'd bring in, like, cookies, and, like, these are really great cookies. I'm sure they can... And I kind of like, okay, here's what we make here. Uh-huh. And, like, they couldn't decorate the cakes or their cheesecakes were falling. And I'm like, what's going on here? I was like, I thought I was going to hire good bakers. Uh-huh. And, like, and like no matter what, you know, it's it's still taking the time to find those right partners. Like, if you're going to open a bakery, if if it's not going to be you full-time baking, mm-hmm. find that baker that is that one that you're going to build the business around versus, like, putting yourself in that position to be the head baker yeah. and then think you're just going to kind of train your way right out. Yeah. Like that model was literally, that's why I was still baking. And then you know, the bakery was early so I could stock the case by, we opened at seven. I was trying to catch the teachers before uh, Trinity yeah. school, but they're running late too. So we were yeah. never that busy. <laughs> um, so later we, we went to eight o'clock, but so the bakery case needed full by seven. Um, and uh, so from there, you know, it was like getting through and then I had people that could work, sell the stuff I baked mm-hmm. and then I could go open the, the upper crust for lunch. Um, and in between there, beside us was, a, a, between the upper crust and the Italian deli was um, a retail store, a consignment shop. It, it closed as well. Um, so we went and we sold off their inventory and that actually gave me enough to build out the bakery, the coffee shop side. Okay. So when I was the full, actually have room mm-hmm. to do the one I, w- I want to do originally because being it was Washington's first hotel, that used to be big rooms that were connected. So we found in the old wall the original entranceway and that's why now huh. when you go down to Chico Bocello, it's yeah. two rooms but there's an opening indoors between the two. Uh-huh. Like we had to like just start hammering until we found <laughs> like the, the original entranceways from huh. the two spaces. Um, I went for a coffee shop because Crazy Mocha was our only coffee shop in the city of Washington, and it closed in 2012. Hmm. So we went a period of about, until I opened, there was like three to four months where Washington didn't have a coffee shop 
I mean, that's where our main street was. Hmm. So it's not like, oh, main street was rough. No, we didn't even have a coffee shop on a main street. We have a foot traffic of a courthouse. Uh-huh. So my sister was a barista at Starbucks. Rachel, middle name Rose, after my grandmother. So Rachel Rose's coffee house and bakery opened once we got the retail sold. And we could finally hmm. combine the store. Then I had uh, a coffee shop sit-down bakery yeah. you could come in and then a shopping retail portion so we had a sit-down bakery coffee shop retail and it was the actual thing that i wanted to do originally that's cool uh, once i divide the upper crust so we had like three locations essentially three businesses yeah. operating the deli the that's why okay so then that's you, a lot going on it's at a once. lot and i I was, that was, that was beyond stretched well, thin. That's a lot just from the, like with the work that you're doing, like, okay, you're doing the baking. You're also cooking at Upper Crust and you're, you have three businesses that you're running. Mm-hmm. How the hell, like, where did you find time or, or was there, were you putting time aside to kind of look at the businesses and do the managerial part of that or... Was it kind of just like, oh, we're just going. We're, I'm just going, and when things come up, I mm. worry about them. I, how? Yeah, that's it, so much going on. It was very much like only way I managed was being there 24-7 to, to run them. So if things uh-huh. came up, I just dealt with it. Yeah. The product was always good because I made it. Like I didn't let the reputation slip. Um, what, and, but, I mean, I was completely burned out, and I was catering a – after we closed, it was down there. It was a 80th birthday party for someone, I believe someone's grandmother. And someone's talking, asked me the same thing, like, Mark, how are you doing this? And I said, listen, this is not for me. I said, it's, it's not sustainable. This business, I did it because I believe Washington needed a bakery and mm-hmm. needed this. I'm doing these things. But for me to maintain them all is completely unrealistic. Uh this whole bakery thing, this is this was meant for a family of bakers that have mm-hmm. kids and sisters and like a whole army of family help and they come together and they just put out amazing recipes and product yeah. and and he was like this mutual friend, he goes, I actually know a family of bakers that might be interested. I said, Well, <laughs> if you could please set up that conversation. And later to find that the owners of the Toffee House uh-huh. that was up in Maiden Street Business Plaza um, sisters, tons of kids, uh-huh. like big family, love to bake. And they said, we always envisioned putting open a bakery. It's just with how Washington Main Street was, we never believed we could make it or a business mm-hmm. like that would be sustainable on Main Street. Um, so they tried a little bit up where they made the toffee, uh, amazing business, the dangerous stuff. They're you know, known for a signature mm-hmm. brand, a, a toffee, and and the people are just wonderful, and and we have, uh, you know, a great rapport with them, and it was such an amazing uh, transition. Um, but like uh, we, they brought them down, and they're like, yeah, Mark, this is like, this is what we wanted to do. Like we <laughs> totally believe in like, like we want to buy this. Yeah. And I said, that's great. <laughs> this is great. Uh, so they saw it right before Christmas. And I said, let's So I showed it to them. Um, I showed it to them in December, like right before the holidays. And then like, all right, let's get through the holidays. And then maybe we'll, we'll meet the first, uh, you know, we'll meet right in January. Uh-huh. And um, we'll actually talk numbers. So then I had my little presentation. Here's mm-hmm. what I'd like for the business. Um and so that was the first week in January. 
Uh, we went through everything, and they were owners by February 1st. So like three weeks later, wow. I had sold those two businesses. Oh uh, I was out of – now I just had the upper crust. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, it was like all the businesses were still opening yeah. and running, and they were like kicking butt. And yeah. like people were – and they just grew the business. And then they brought in more family partners, mm-hmm. and they were able to expand – Re, you know, renamed Chica Bocello with a family and uh, and Lisa, who's just well, was an amazing addition and just a, a back to them to the business and just took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, they put their heart into it, having the, the the family support structure. I could see how just how well that worked for them. And I mean, they grew to a second location out of an idea that they probably never would have tried in the first place if I didn't prove that like a business like this can work on mm-hmm. Main Street. And that's when I was like, man, I was actually meant to be a developer. I'm supposed to plant seeds and sell them and yeah. prove to people like I'm good at taking pain, working too much. Mm-hmm. Like these are some of my skill sets. They're not like good decisions, but I can handle it. Yeah. So I'll get through the worst part of the first year. And then once I have everything figured out, I'll pass over like a turnkey business model and yeah. I'll just do this all the way up Main Street <laughs> until we're a completely <laughs> thriving rebuilt town. <laughs> So, I mean, that was the plan, you know, and then that's, you know, that's when I used the money for the sale. Biggest lesson I learned was, like, I had a very poor experience with landlords in both situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, I tiled the floor as I ex- put expansion. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put a ton of money into something that was not mine. Yeah. And I never, and once I made them so nice, both of them pulled the opportunity to, like, Mark, buy this, buy this, buy this, until, like, uh, actually, we're going to hold on to this. Uh-huh. This thing's really turned out good, and we yeah. have to rent office Thanks space. Thanks for all that, the work you've been doing. Right. <laughs> and then, like, I hear more work, construction going on. Like, oh, yeah, people really want office space next to a coffee shop. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to keep this. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. I got it. So, lesson learned, like, own the real estate if you're mm-hmm. going to put your heart and build something out. So that was, like, another mm-hmm whole thing I learned and that's when like the I the only way I was able to purchase uh where the president's pub was was I was able to sell the coffee shop and bakery and that was my real estate down payment to now actually be a landlord downtown because okay. I also cared about the condition how people kept their buildings mm-hmm. so now I can like and I did I spent way too much money on the face of restoring the president's pub uh Washington's first bank opened in 1902 the Union Trust Company uh, only bank to survive the Great Depression in Washington County, moved to the trust building. And like a lot uh-huh. of history was, uh, you know, original Isley's uh, shop, uh, lunchette. Um, but like putting like the, the, the brickwork on the front and like uncovering the original bank sign that was like four layers deep. And I, I hand painted it with a little paintbrush <laughs> just to restore like, like a bank was just about uh-huh. to open. And then I got... Uh, just the, the different the limestone and different things that would have been like uh, historically accurate to like what a really awesome building looked like. And I just want to show because people are like, Mark, South Main's flourishing. Great job. Just don't cross the tracks of North Main. Mm-hmm. Like that'll be a really big mistake. You, you're lucky you made this far. I said, well, too bad. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to put the, you know, that kind of like. You know, stirred me the wrong way because, you know, again, it's my idea. I'm, you know, I'm passionate about uh-huh. it. And people are, I'm showing people, like, I'm all excited. Like, look at this opportunity. Like, oh, Mark, just okay. looks like a little too much work again. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought you were going to have something nice to say. <laughs> I thought you'd be That's excited like, <laughs> about this too. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, so we just, we put um, a ton of effort into making just a beautiful building on North Main Street. So other landlords who look around and be like, yeah, your building could look like this. Uh-huh. You just got to care. Yeah, you just have to put the effort in. 
Um, damn. Okay, so that's cool. So the sale of that leads to President's Pub. When you were okay, so you buy this the building. Did you know what you were going to do there? Because you still had Upper Crust at that point, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so you have Upper Crust. Did you know what President's Pub was going to be? I had a pretty good idea. Okay. So this is where I felt like a all kind of unforeseen thing came up that was like, but I'm, I yeah. was, a lot of mistakes I'd made, like I, I had a better understanding, like purchasing the real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's some uh, residential pieces that help offset the mortgage. That was important to me because like second and third floors are all of downtown Washington are empty mm-hmm. or they're run down, yeah. which is why like we don't have that Lawrenceville effect. We're just open a cool shop and watch the people yeah. come. Yeah. No one lives downtown. Yeah. So like it was- we pull people in. We really have to pull people in. And that's like, unfortunately, like Washington's still like a weekend warrior. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of great businesses that kick butt on the weekends. And like we struggled during the week. And that's Mm -hmm. something that we're still working against because we need to make money five days a week, six days a week, not two days a week. Yeah. So like owners can hire an appropriate manager. So they Mm -hmm. have family time. And and that's, that's something that, um, I try to, when people ask about businesses downtown, I try to, you know, use my experiences uh, just to kind of a more accurate for people who are driven all by passion. Mm-hmm. Some things to consider. Yeah. That yeah why, I mean, you get some traffic from the courthouse and some of those things. But again, it's like what there's if people aren't living there, you're not going to get it consistently. Um, and there's not going to be quite the same amount of traffic during the week mm-hmm. that unless you're putting a ton of effort into the marketing side. If you can bring For people sure. in, that's one side. But a lot of, at least from the businesses and, and the people that I work with, it's a, that's always the difficult part because mm-hmm. you go into business and I like to cook. I like to make whatever it is. Um, but I don't know how to bring people in. Like, I know how to do these things. Mm-hmm. And if you're in an area that doesn't have a ton of the natural foot traffic, you've got to be the reason that brings people in. So that has to be a, a, a big focus. Um, and if you're missing that, then you're very reliant on just what, where are people going to find? Are people going to walk past and see me or not? Yeah. Um, no, that's absolutely correct. And that's been one of my things that I've been, from a development standpoint, it's, you know, people want to, oh, we need more business downtown. I said, I promise you, we need more people living downtown mm-hmm. because if you will get these people that, you know, have a great idea and they open up and they can't make it, do you know how many people that are going to scare from not trying because yeah. a cool idea came and went and came and went and came and went mm-hmm. because we're not producing a residential piece to give enough weekly foot traffic yeah. so these businesses can actually, you know, provide a means to live on and a good means to live on. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's my vision is... Um, I'm so proud of the business we have downtown, but like, there's a lot of us. I mean, we do well because we work so hard, Mm -hmm. but it would be nice if we did so well because the city economically supported our hard work in a financial return that gives us some, not just financial freedom, but time freedom to live a good life. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of, things are way better. There's a lot. There's been a ton of improvement. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just that continued push. And we'll get to the rest of the things that you've been doing. But, like, I don't know, it kind of takes that person to, like you said, I'll take the shit. 
Mm-hmm. I'll take it for this amount of time. I'll I'll deal with like I'll deal with all of these all of the nonsense for a little bit and then pass it off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, here's another I've planted another seed. I've planted another seed. Um which is cool. Like that's a cool approach to it. Um and knowing that um I guess okay, so back to cuz this will feed into this question. President's pub what led to the idea of that? How did you come up with that concept? Um, I think I, I got a little bit more comfortable in my culinary ability and my diversity okay. of my skill set. Okay. So, like, I've been chefing for a while now. Uh-huh. So now, like, fresh seafood, ain't got steaks. Like, it's not just pizza anymore. Like, from yeah. running specials at the Upper Cross and for years and working with some other, you know, some talented people and just uh, picking brains with other chefs, I mm-hmm. kind of – now I – you know, the, the, the gastro pub kind of became mm-hmm. the new word of like what cool restaurants were. Yeah. Gastro pubs, then it was like brew pubs. And we went to this craft beer section that became, so I kind of saw what I thought that a trend would be. It's like more of like, uh, we had enough Italian, you know, mm-hmm. we have good Italian, good classic Italian, American Italian. Um, but like an American fair, again, like made from scratch cooking, yeah. but like American, like yeah. fun bar food but just culinary like yeah elevated yeah you know and really had like that's just when i i got a, got to be a little bit more well-rounded with the menu what i thought people would just love yeah like what don't we have downtown what could i offer like beer options like we're we were not a craft beer town mm-hmm. um main street brew house that was a great list and they came along to the scene too but before that like you're driving to pittsburgh to get a cool beer yeah no one's putting an extensive draft list on Main Street Washington, let alone, you know, yeah. uh, to the extent that we thought would, like, even with our bourbon selection and yeah. the food. So, like, this whole idea was another uh, a restaurant that would do really well in Pittsburgh and be able to, like, throw their weight around because they're, they're trying to push the envelope. Yeah. And, again, just put it on Main Street Washington so people start, again, start driving this direction. So I knew, like, again, I went aggressive because I, I just had a, a concept in mind. <laughs> And Washington Jefferson, we got to get them to Main Street. Uh-huh. They're the president's, so I'm calling it the president's pub. You know, uh, I want to connect with them and let them know that this is going to be a place where we can all meet. Yeah. Because it used to be. Yeah. And that's the thing that's that that's always inspired me about Washington. And a lot of people, uh, you know, they they question like, how did what do you how did you see through? I said, well, what I see is a lot of emptiness. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of stuff that left, but it worked while I was here. The highways still intersect. Yeah. Like college professors used to talk to city council at a table, having a beer at Ernie's Freestyle. You know, like that all worked. So yeah. opening those doors back up and creating the opportunity for people to come back and like network on Main Street yeah. and look around and think of what could be. Like a lot of it was, I was, you know, we could have been, uh, even though a lot of empty storefronts, at least it wasn't like, like our crime's not high. You know, on average for yeah. city, it's not yeah. that's not the problem. It may be blighted. There may be a lot of loitering. It could certainly be cleaner and better landscaped, mm-hmm. and we could have you know better accountability for some landlords that aren't keeping up their property. There's still that going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are problems that are that are fixable. And so it's more restoring Washington what it already had versus trying to recreate the wheel and yeah. like how do we remove all this negative element? It's not really remove the negative element. It's just like bring the good back. Yeah. Huh. That, yeah, that's just that change in well, – and that feels way easier. Bringing the good back is like, oh, we bringing something back feels a lot more mm-hmm. doable. 
remove it because then it's like, a, and this is just like mentally, it just feels this way. Like you say, bring the good back. That feels so much easier. It's like mm-hmm. this thing already existed. Absolutely. Just bring it back. Remove the bad. Okay, then what? Mm-hmm. Then what? Then we have to make something new. Like that just sounds way more difficult and way less approachable. Absolutely. And it's amazing, like, the, the, and I've had, got to have the experience talking to people that grew up in Washington that are in their 60s and 70s and retired. And then you have people that grew up like their adulthood, maybe then in their 30s or 40s, and how they talk about Washington. Oh, you know, the memories that the older folks have that have been here growing up in its heyday, they believe me, huh? They thought, of uh-huh. course, more. I don't know what it was taking so long. Yeah. But no one else is like, you understand, this used to be the best of everything. We used to, I met my wife here. Uh-huh. I did this. This was our, and they're amazing stories of a wonderful life right mm-hmm. here on Main Street. And then there's just a lot of people that miss out on the experience and that attitude and like perception has been the biggest challenge because that, yeah. that carries out to, you know, people that have moved away from Main Street mm-hmm. uh, or Washington in general because, yeah. you know, there's, as a young adult, it's just not the, the life that yeah. you pictured and then that attitude there's nothing down there in washington there's nothing mm-hmm. but again like i said but it used to be so it's just a matter of how are we going to as a city bring back you know the passion for what was always yeah what made us a great city it yeah. was a great city yeah <laughs> okay yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um okay so you've got president's pub You've got you you get that build out. How long how long did it take you from the time you uh bought that to open the restaurant? How long how long did that take you? That took a while. Did you get that? Be- was that a better experience than Upper Crust? No. Okay. No. It was worse. It was worse because <laughs> okay. it was way bigger. Okay. Um, well, again, now we're putting in residential <laughs> apartments. Like I'll give you a for like a, a for instance. You know, so I, you know, took taking the time, measuring my BTUs I need to operate uh, mm-hmm. gas furnaces, like with a gas company. I'm getting uh, <laughs> my whole kitchen line up. I plan for gas fire pits out in the patio, and I'm, you know, I'm getting you know, all the apartments ready. And I did the math. I took the time to not mm-hmm. just throw in gas and all of a sudden be short like I did the appropriate. Uh, run all the gas to find that this particular block. Uh, has low pressure lines. Don't know why. Other areas of Washington, they don't have the specific <laughs> pressure. So although I have the appropriate amount of like gas lines already ran, we ran them brand new. This is like inch and a half flex, and I ran all the way through three stories of apartments. Then it come to with like code, and they come in and I realize that I said, Mark, you're going to have to replace all this. I said, man, I just ran all this. So, yeah, there's the because of this pressure that you're getting here at this particular property, like this block, you're going to have to replace all your gas lines with two inch steel. So now it's not even flexible. So now we're cutting holes. I literally ripped open the whole restaurant to rerun. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. $15,000 oh later. Now I have two inch black steel pipe gas lines versus inch and a half flex, which should have been not, you know. So, again, I guess. If I had the right engineers working on the project, someone mm-hmm. discovered, measured the PSI of the mm-hmm. this block. So I didn't know to even, you know, that was, I got a, a chart from the gas company and said, this is how you calcu- calculate uh-huh. the size lines and oh. just never left out that oh slow PSI. God. So oh. there's no shortage of things like that. 
um, that, again, you can really try to do your homework, but it just... No matter what, there's unforeseen. Mm-hmm. No matter what you, don't you know do, what you don't know. You gotta have reserve. I never have reserve. I have like, <laughs> I have just enough to not quite have enough uh-huh. to like. Okay, well, you can figure it. I, I could probably figure I'll out get this little piece. Twenty five percent of the way uh-huh. there, and twenty five percent. Hopefully, I got some equity. I'll do line of credit. We'll, we'll finish up and pay it off once we get open. Something you know, a little, uh-huh. little over the finish line kind yeah. of stuff. And then, like, something monumental happens. Like, man, I did not account for this. <laughs> so that those kind of challenges, again, it, it took the build out. Because now I'm like, honestly, there's a lot of uh, people I'm working for. me as well, guys, you're all going to. Um, I'm going to have to work a month or so by myself. And I'm going to not pay you to do it. I'm going to delay the opening. Um, but I can afford myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do the work. And I'm going to delay the opening. And I'm just going to, me and my little brother, and we have pictures of us, like, just mm-hmm. wild in the middle of, like, <laughs> two people it really looks like an un just a daunting task uh to even think this is like where's the whole crew at and you're like yeah that's it uh-huh. what's your experience yeah minimal yeah. you know <laughs> upper crust yeah <laughs> we did this before <laughs> once um so yeah that, that again it was uh when you have money to uh always kind of go trying to do something bigger and like to grow mm-hmm. um always takes more and it took everything I had. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just never really had the room for that kind of things that came up. So, yeah. it certainly caused delays. And, uh, you know, just we, we just had to learn to work through them. And yeah. you learn a lot of pride swallowing. You know, you learn a lot of uh, – and just honestly how to stay mentally, like, telling yourself it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because, like, there's times where you're, like, pretty close to throwing in the towel. And, uh, and then you're, you know, you're all, you know, I know I've had in my prayer life, like, Lord, I, you really, you know, uh-huh. I really felt this was what you wanted me to do. I, I was, I was impacting lives. I was creating jobs. Mm-hmm. People were telling me that this is their vision for the city and I'm building it. Um, this is getting pretty difficult and I'm just, I'm not quite sure I'm starting to second guess and then you get through it and you're a better man for uh-huh. it. Uh, you're back to your plan. So I was like, just didn't have a plan B because that's what I'm praying. Lord, I don't have a plan B. I need to, yeah. and he knows that. His yeah. plan is always better than our plan. So having that faith and not just yourself, but when you follow your heart, that the good things are going to come from it. And that's just, uh, there's a lot of faith in business ownership. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to believe it's going to work out. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's life lesson stuff that, yeah. you, that you come across when you have to kind of over, overcome obstacles that you just, you really didn't think or didn't know how you were going to do it, but you do yeah. it. Well, especially when it's not even like, okay, you plan for, I can, I can figure out the 25% easy. Mm-hmm. We got that. No big deal. But when that 25% becomes, I don't know, 50, 60, because You've got things like that where it's like, I already did. I spent all this money. I just replaced all this shit. Mm -hmm. Now I've got to redo all of it and in a way that is way more difficult. Like, uh, okay, that 25% is now 60%. How in the world? Like, passion can help me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That maybe gets me back to my 75%. How in the world am I getting through the rest of that? Mm -hmm. That is a... um, yeah, that's difficult. That is difficult. Um, but you got through that one. Mm-hmm. We got uh, open. Yeah, you opened. Um, so, okay. Damn, that's 
That's that is wild, and I'm sure that wasn't the only. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't the only one that the only thing that came up yeah. that was a setback there. Um, okay, okay. So you've got upper crust, or sorry, you've well, you do have both of those um, at that point. When what led to you? Did you sell upper crust, or what? The upper before. Uh, so I was going to list the upper crust for sale publicly with a broker. Um, my manager at the time, he came to me some market. We talked about the wife, the family. Mm-hmm. We'd really like to keep this. You know, would you not put it on the market and sell to us? Parents are on board. They're going to, you know, help with financing. And I was, you know, I mean, I'd love to keep it locally yeah. owned and operated. That was the, yeah. you know, um, and that's the goodwill piece. You know, it makes for a, a good story. So um, things just didn't go as planned. And then the parents thought that the kids should, you know, uh, finance it themselves. And then the, the, they couldn't get a loan to the bank. I'm like, guys, like, I already put my down payment and presence public. This wasn't mm-hmm. the plan. And then, uh, well, so anyway, you can finance it for us. I was like, man, I don't, I've, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a choice. Like I'll work with you, but yeah. like, uh, I don't know how I'm going to, and that's another thing. That's one of the reasons like selling the upper crust was the money to open mm-hmm. the presence public with the money I actually needed. Yeah. So like, I didn't plan on putting myself in a position where I was short again. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm going to sell this business. We, uh, it was contractually written up. And uh, instead of getting into already now I'm in a legal battle, like let's try to finance this thing. And like maybe after a year, the bank said, you know, after a year in business, you'll be able to refinance and then we can, you know, purchase the business. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, you know, it'll probably take a year to get open. So maybe yeah. that'll be the money. To, that's where the 25% was supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. I'll just yeah, yeah. move forward with what I can. And then after a year, I'll get finally up. get yep. that payment on the back end and then I'll have a grand opening. And then a year came, the bank denied him again. Then they moved the location from where the upper crust was and successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, let's partner with a brewery. That'll be, mm-hmm. uh, in theory, I understand. But again, yep. from doing a lot of things like on theory versus, um, practice, it's yeah. not, bigger isn't always better. The grass isn't always greener. Like mm-hmm. if you're successful with a salary where you're at, like, um, that was the nature of that business where it's meant, you know, kind of meant yeah. to stay. It's just, it's, yeah, it's where it should have been. Yeah. Um, the brewery should have been a cool burger joint and which is kind of where they yeah. found a burger partner and kind of went to like more of like what paired well with beer. And, yeah. you know, that was a difficult transition with them because the upper crust didn't work there. Mm-hmm. So now I'm out of business. Um, I'm out my, my, the money that was supposed to come to me. Uh, I'm short mm-hmm. on presence pub because yep. there's nothing I can get. There's nothing I can go get the equipment, the, the brewery already has it in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. I can't let, hey, let me get my equipment back. And I'll, technically now it's already someone else's. Um, should I have had an attorney do a way better job on the legal in this? Yeah. Um, but we were. Yeah, but it also, like, as we're talking through all these, it's, it feels like a, um, you kind of brought this up where it's like the passion can drive you, but it can also lead to, like, you're not making those decisions based on, um so I've I've had this come up with a couple clients recently where it's like when you're dealing with small businesses, it's very personal mm-hmm. and you've got the and, and you're passionate about restoring Washington. So like you're seeing the best in these situations where it's like, OK, could you have done this a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. 
Sure, but that's not like the way that you're viewing. It's a small town, small businesses. Like we're all in this. Yeah. We're all in this together. And then when you have things like that happen, it's like, sure, could I have done it? Right. Could we have? Yeah, but that's. You're right. It wasn't it, just a business deal. Yeah, it wasn't just selling like, a business. It was supposed to be owned by someone I knew would do a good job. Yeah. And he, he was he did manage the restaurant well when he was there. Uh kept the reputation high, put out good product. So I was like, man, uh, and it was a man who was a table like this and mm-hmm. it was on a handshake. I said, I'm not going to put it on the market. I want you guys yeah. to have it. And that was, no, it didn't work out, but you're right. Not everything works out. It doesn't mean you're necessarily wrong. Yeah. It's like, sure. You, again, you could have done, could you have done it differently? Mm-hmm. Could you, was there a way that that could have been successful, which or a successful transition where upper crust now you don't find yourself or president's pub, you don't find yourself in this weird situation where it's like, how how am I going to do like how does this all work? Sure, but the the passion kind of it can kind of um, take a, actually you said it early like it can the rational part needs to be there, but the passion can kind of over overtake all of, some of the the deeper rational questions there where it's like. Yeah, we should probably – it should be a little bit more structured. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with small businesses and, yeah. and for a purpose that you're very passionate about. Yeah, like, yeah we're I, trying to make this thing work. We're trying to make this all better. Yeah, and initially that's where that's where the heart was and that's what I signed up for. Yeah. So that's just – we structured something that made – Yeah. It's, the, it's this way that we could have came into an agreement with the, the facts we had on the table mm-hmm. and we agreed to give it hell and because, again – like for me to open, I'm not open the presence public because I love running restaurants. I'm already burned out from restaurants, but I know like what does Washington need to yeah. be a thriving downtown? It's like so you take the upper crust. I'm gonna open a bigger kind of like bar kind of thing with mm-hmm. big outdoor seating because that was we also didn't have outdoor seating. Yeah, Pepinas had a cool little spot, but that was closed. Yeah, so I'm like not only am I gonna you know so I, I open the only coffee shop now we have a coffee shop. Uh, only place that has outdoor seating and a draft list and a bur- you know that's yeah. the presence pub. So we're filling in these. What would uniquely re you know rebrand wash and have the things yeah. that people are driving elsewhere for? Um, so just trying to pick and choose uh, exactly what you're going to do based on what you think the town needs best isn't always going to be the financially the easiest decision mm-hmm. to make. Um, but ultimately, as uh, as we move forward, like it's all going to shape the story and it's going to be mm-hmm. a part of of it's going to happen how it should and it's yeah. going to be amazing. So, okay, man, that's, yeah, it's like you can only, working with small businesses is, it's not, it's not the same as what you would, if you're coming from like the corporate world. It's like, because of course you would have done it differently. Mm. That's not how this works. Yeah. It can, it can, but there's a lot more faith in the people, especially in your, in that, like, if we're, if we look at that case again, it's like. You've already been working with them. Mm-hmm. This isn't just some random dude. It's like, hey, I think I can do this. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, that's that's tough. Okay. So now you've got President's Pub, and that's it at that point. Um. Uh, Nineteen North comes within the last couple years. Mm-hmm. Assuming same same ML, like we don't have this space. I think I can do this. Um, how, what was the approach there? How did you, uh, 
where did that come from? Like, where did, what did you, obviously you think we need this thing, but mm-hmm. how did you, what was the, the thought behind that? Um, so a lot of it was um, catering, being a caterer um, for a lot. And that was a good, that's a very strong financial piece to any restaurant because mm-hmm. it's like guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. And like downtown Washington doesn't have guaranteed foot traffic. Yeah. So if I could secure like, especially during the week and, and things, but I'd lose a lot of catering because most nice catering halls don't, you know, it's, they mm-hmm. do their own catering. So mm-hmm. I never had a space to put anybody. Um, so one, having a space to actually host like large events, um, you know, made sense to like, that would really help the business to have an event space. Mm-hmm. Two, you know, I've done enough restaurants now. So I felt like I tipped the scale on, okay, here I'm restaurants. And again, even though the presence pub's awesome, like the foot traffic downtown hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. So, my next project was not going to be a restaurant. It is needs to be a tourism piece. Um, so I need something that's going to draw people. Like And again, like surrounding Washington and towns, there's a lot of great presence pubs. There's a lot of cool restaurants all mm-hmm. over the area. So on a regular basis, people aren't going to drive by a cool restaurant to come to my cool restaurant. Matter yeah. of convenience. Yeah. So that's not – so I see like really great restaurants. It would take – Especially recently, like the surge sure. of great restaurants. Absolutely. We have so many in the pit, just the Pittsburgh area. There are so many good restaurants. Absolutely. So I, to, to service like the restoration of a downtown was now more of like a destination venue, mm-hmm. like concerts, comedians, dinner shows, like uh, Washington Symph- Symph- uh, Symphony is in, you know, Trinity High School's auditorium, which is great, mm-hmm. you know, but it's bleacher seats and that's uncomfortable and it's not like theater style yeah. productions. Yeah. So now we can have um, and watch community theater and like a lot of nonprofits that are, we are one of our greatest assets are our local mm-hmm. or nonprofits because it's just phenomenal talent. Uh, you see their passion. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, it's the culture piece that Washington because it's the culture that makes the city livable. Um, so giving a place, a home in the center, dead center of our downtown, mm-hmm. a place to have culture and experiences and things that don't, other towns in the surrounding area don't have, all of a sudden a 30-minute drive to an amazing show or a theater performance or a comedian, 45 minutes, like we're seeing that now. Yeah. Like we drove from, Mark, we used to drive to Pittsburgh, we're from Wheeling. I'm capturing an entire city to drive instead of through Washington to stop Washington because we're doing the same kind of entertainment that, that, mm-hmm. that the city of Pittsburgh is doing. So we have a whole city. We have Morgantown coming through the area. Again, now let's get back to putting the biggest stop in Washington, dead center of town. So instead of driving through, there's a reason for people to make a stop, to yeah. get off the exit, which all in turn that does, it gets all the restaurants are busy. Yeah. That's the let's that's the the tide raises all ship. That's that's yep. the theory that makes it all work because when you're at a show, you're going to, to dinner beforehand. Mm-hmm. So now you're at Union Grill or you're at the uh, Washington Brewery and you're for mm-hmm. dinner because you're coming to a show later or afterwards you're going to one of those places for drinks. Or yeah. did you know that Washington has two distilleries, a winery, mm-hmm. a brewery? You wouldn't know yeah. if you're from out of town, perhaps, unless you stopped and 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 you were spending your time. So pulling people into Washington to erase that perception that there's nothing to do in Washington. Mm-hmm. We see it now. You and me, we're here. We work here. In a, right? We see Main Street. Like, we're, like, proud. Like, yeah, man, we're kicking butt. Things are coming back. Coming. Liberty Pole's awesome. All these people, you know, we're yeah. really proud of, like, the growth that we've seen. But a lot of people that don't come to Washington do not know what we have going on. Mm-hmm. They may have heard about it word of mouth. I heard this or 19 North. Um, 
but you get the right people in. Like, oh man, do you understand the 19th North is like an actual venue? Like the concert was like the lights, the sound, the like Jimmy Cren was down in Little Washington <laughs> performing, you know, and, and then people are like our following is growing quickly because they, they're like, man, this is, and these are people I'm talking to not from Washington. Uh-huh. That is the tourism. That, that is yeah. what is starting to make Washington exciting because we're doing things that other towns aren't doing because they are doing cool restaurants. Mm-hmm. They're not doing big shows. Yeah. So that is something that I, there, that was my, just the next kind of chess piece was I need like one more anchor tenant that is going to pull people just to town for a weekend, yeah. for an event, for something that's going to draw outside of what a restaurant can draw. So there's events that we're finally getting traction. And like our, you mentioned our, our winter farmer's market, our vendor fairs, like 22 businesses were our last one. 22 local businesses opened up a store on for one day, Main Street, Washington, inside 19 North. Uh, we don't have 22 businesses if you add up all the businesses downtown, yet they're giving a chance on mm-hmm. our main street because one, the fire, you know, farmer's market pioneered it, but that's just, yeah. it's very seasonal and it's very yeah. rural forward and it's, uh, it's great. But to lose that momentum and start over, I said, can we have like a year round market? So I talked to Shana Brown also hats off to uh-huh. phenomenal effort to everything she's trying to do, yeah. which is what we believe that can be done. She's helping do it in a big way. Um, so she said, yeah, I'll reach out to the, you know, the vendors and from the farmer's market, here's a list. And we emailed everybody and they're like, we'd love to keep a presence mm-hmm. in Washington year round, you know, instead of just, you know, uh, May to October yeah. or whatever it is. And like overwhelming response, like eight out of 10 people we sent were like, we would definitely be down. So now we're on our fourth one and all, even in January, you know, businesses came, they opened up, they're from Washington County, they made money. They thank me for doing it. We didn't make a ton, but it's 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 good press. Mm-hmm. It's good a PR piece. It's good for like ninth North, like to understand what its purpose is, and yeah. it's to serve the downtown. It's to serve the community. It's to be a player in what we all are sharing. Yeah, and to see like all these cool business owners, or you're from you know look, you have Swope's Farm or Old Road Farm. You have farmers bring their rural piece, and they uh-huh. bring their families, and you're you're hearing their stories, and you're understanding like how dynamic Washington County is. And and there we are the county seat. Mm-hmm. So there's this a little something about pulling Washington County to the city of Washington, yeah. which the presence of the county is just not well represented enough in the heart of mm-hmm. the county seat because we're phenomenal and we're a very diverse county. Uh, so to see all of that regional flair come to Main Street is certainly something that I intended 19 North to do, and like we're we're getting to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're getting to see the fruits of that labor. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I mean, again, it's like the same with the rest of the, the spot so far. You've got this thing you said, did you you run these markets and does it make a ton of money? Probably not. Could you make more? Maybe. But the the passion there, like to okay, you said, like this is for Washington. This is good for now. Mm-hmm. This is good. This brings people in. And again, will this lead to maybe not for 19 North, but maybe we've got more people here. So President's Pub gets a little hit and Southern Yanks gets a little hit and all these places get a little hit on this day because you've got more traffic. You've yeah. got these events that are coming in. It's like, yeah, that's um, it's cool. And it's a cool space um, with in the variety of things that you guys are doing like. Comedy shows, 
and also vendor markets. Yeah. Like they're all happening in the same yeah. spot. Uh, it's cool. That's a, that's, it's, it's cool. Um, and it's a cool thing to have, um, that flexibility within the downtown because it does give you, it's like, okay, well, what are, what do we, what do we need during the winter months? Mm-hmm. Okay. We can still do all of these things. Yeah. We can do the markets to bring people in. We can have shows. We can have this. We can have this. We can have this. If we have new ideas, great. It's a kind, not a blank canvas, but it, it provides a lot of flexibility to kind of do all the things that, um, that you've been trying to do at all the other spots or, and have been doing at all the other spots. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a cool spot. It's a cool venue. Um, so, okay. Okay. So 19 North, again, furthering the, the vision of Washington. Um, that kind of takes us, I mean, we've got upper crust again, forbidden sellers. We've got those things. Not quite there yet, but I'm imagining same same things as before. You've got mm-hmm. same challenges that come up. Um, I'm sure there's some things that are a little bit different, but is there anything of note with as you're learning another, you know, you're opening new spots again, is there anything different that's still popping up that you're learning in the uh, opening of those? Because that, that start pre-COVID, or p- no, no, it's it, it's actually a bit of a, a birth child of COVID. Um, okay, the reason so we bought uh, same with the nineteen North. We opened August two thousand nineteen, so we were open for six months just to close for two years. So, <laughs> Woo. Yeah, yeah, and then plan on that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Large indoor gathering space. That's a tough one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the only thing you're not allowed to do for like yeah. the longest period of time. Yeah. Um, and then we we bought the building Damn. in uh, in nineteen where the uh, upper crust is going to be in uh, our winery label for Ben Sellers. But we bought the building, I said, two other tenants. I had a salon on the second floor because I was showing it particular to salons because mm-hmm. that would be a great piece of foot traffic for downtown, mm-hmm. so just a little bit of, of dynamic. Um, not that we don't have a couple other great salons, but there's yeah. a market for it downtown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Perked Up Cafe, another great establishment we're looking to expand and I mean, they already had, I they had the keys for it. So that wasn't going to be the upper crust. It was going to be the third perked up uh, cafe, which was going to be a phenomenal uh-huh. lunch service, f- owned and operated, family baking. It was just, you know, I was, I went there. We had a mutual friend, showed them the space. Um, and it was going to be perfect size for them. And then pandemic hits, the salon, instead of opening a second location, closes their first, sells. Perked up cafe scales back and says, "We're not expanding to a third location." So now I'm coming through COVID with a mortgage, and now both my tenants have now, because I thought I finally was going to do it right. <laughs> I'm going to open something that I stop don't have that. to work. I know that's two times in a row. Tell me about it. <laughs> so I was like, I'm actually not going to run this one. I'm going to be a landlord, uh-huh. and I'm going to be the best darn landlord. I'm going to give them everything they need. I'm going to make sure they succeed, all the stuff maybe <laughs> I didn't have support-wise. Then I have empty Changing space. Plans. And I'm like, man. So then I, I listed with a realtor just to leave the spaces. I'm showing it. I'm mm-hmm. showing it, but just like no one's biting. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I was like, Mark, you know what? Sure, would be a great upper crust again, don't you think? <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'd lie to you if I said I didn't think about it. 
And then I was like, oh man, but it honestly, like, it's like, if I don't put something in here, like, I don't, like, I'm going to have to start working backwards, like getting rid of real estate I took on and it's a prime building, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I just, it, it, again, with the right tenants, that Mm -hmm. that's an anchor space. Um, and I just, I I just, it's it's meant for amazing tenants. I just didn't think I would be moving in as one of them. Um, but I also always was on my art, like the upper crust deserves to be on main street. So putting it back for me, I built another brick oven hand by hand. It's mm-hmm. in there. I could fire it up right now. You know, um, lesson learned though. Also part of it is like where I'm at now with staffing post pandemic, like kitchen wise, uh-huh. I'm no way going to open a restaurant for the presence. Probably be like, man, Mark's not here. This stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. or, you know, it, mm. building a, it, again, this isn't just a, a financial play. And, well, you've already experienced that side you, you know sure. how that can go you were running two places yeah. that required your time yeah you, it's a mistake you know, to try to stretch yeah, you myself know what in that, again you know what that means um yeah so man that's tough that is a tough spot yeah we just didn't expect the labor market to be this short for this mm-hmm. long and no one did and it's yeah. not just my it's the people that delivered my my wood for the brick oven like mm-hmm. i couldn't get help if i and that's a whole nother different business so it's just Hmm. we're all in that but now it's just like owners without the appropriate help Uh, and when i open like the grand opening for the upper crust again is 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 it is special and it it is i don't want to let down the Mm -hmm. grand opening that i've envisioned because i'm just trying to do it because people are tired of waiting or because i'm being impatient yeah um i just have to find the right help I yeah. just need to find the right, and the same with the bakery. I ran open a bakery thinking that right bakery will come along. Oh, I'll open the upper crust and I'll hold it together until the chef comes along and the manager comes along. You can only do that stuff so many times. Like, yeah. you've already done that. Why? And it's it's not, Yeah, it's something else is going to suffer. Yeah. Um. So I'd rather wait until it's right and do it right than rush forward a project just because it's on my heart to open. I yeah. just need to under, understand the current business climate, adapt, and like, Again, just you know, try to try to mm-hmm. work through it and figure it out. So well, that's and there have you explored like uh, I don't know, like are there any? Do we have any like culinary schools around here? Do we have anything that you could work with, like an internship program or anything like that? I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah, the answer to that. I, I think we. I know uh, um, Green County has a really great culinary program, and I have been in touch with them. Um, but a lot of that new hire, I'm not saying you can't find, there's a difference between a, a, a good cook yeah. or, you know, great at executing mm-hmm. versus like managing a restaurant. So like, gotcha. I yep. believe that yep. the food might be good and you yes. could probably cook a wonderful dish, but are you going to be able to maintain a staff that is gotcha. coming together where the whole atmosphere of the restaurant is like dynamic and, yeah. and, and welcoming and, and what I expect it to be? That makes sense. That's like a big experience piece. So you can find some quality work if the right management team is in place to foster yeah. that into, you know, like a, a, a kitchen that really cooks. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, again, it's like what's, if there is no real rush, obviously you'd like to have it open, but it's mm-hmm. like, you want to do it right. It, it was a thing before mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Yeah. You don't want to, a, you don't want to tarnish that 
but also you don't want to put yourself back in that situation where it's like, yo, I'm now I've got three things again, except they're not like before you kind of had deli and coffee shop that were kind of connected and mm-hmm. kind of operating the same. But 19 North is operating differently than President's Pub, which will be operating differently than um, than Upper Crust. Like, yeah, brushing that and like, oh, well, I could just take this on again. Right. Like, uh, could you? Uh, maybe. That's maybe. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But also, what does that mean for all of, like, if you take that on and everything goes down, you don't want to destroy the work that you've put in in the last however many years. Like, yeah. you're, you've created some awesome things. You don't want that, you don't want those experiences to be lesser because you just had to get this thing right. open. Um, hmm. Yeah, so that's just a... Uh... Yeah, it's just a tough spot we're in there. So yeah, I mean, it'll you'll you'll figure it out. I mean, you've yeah. you've gotten to this point, right? Um, yeah, that's that sucks. That's a tough one. Um, okay, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to touch on? We're about almost two hours in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, I mean, there's, there's more stories to tell. The building that collapsed between the two, yeah. you know, the people wonder, uh, you know, even that, what took that so long? Or, you know, mm-hmm. or what was the challenge with that? Well, there's a building, it collapsed, it fell on my building. <laughs> um, the taxes were delinquent when I bought it because I'm, you know, there's, oh, he was mm-hmm. trouble keeping up with taxes. No, I didn't. I had to buy the building with back taxes. And the bank was willing to do that because we were going to refinance um, as soon as I purchased it. But then a building fell on top of mine, did six to $8,000 of damage <laughs> to the roof. Oh I was locked out at 19 North for three months. And when I came back in, water was pouring in from the roof because the roof used to be attached to the building that collapsed. So oh. once that building collapsed, they demoed it. Like, it was never secured. So the wind just blew the entire roof open and all the elements poured through and did. I mean, we're talking six to $8,000 six to eight grand to the roof and then the interior needed gutted back down to the brick due to the mold due to the water damage the plastering the drywall the paint uh no insurance money for that you think oh you know of course and then it was an emergency situation so (laughs) i had to sign paperwork uh by the city and the crane company saying we have to work off of your roof to you know uh the emergency evacuation it's dangerous it's going to fall more people are at risk so I'm like trying to do the right thing. You know, I sign away the rights to like damages and like, well, we'll work with you. Don't worry. The, the building has insurance. It did have insurance. It had a million dollar policy. But when the lady got stuck in there and she was awarded 850000 and then you had another person that was concerned that the police were coming that lived in the building and jumped out and broke his arm and he got 100000 And now you're down to 50000 out of a million left. And then you got to pay all the attorneys for a two-year lawsuit. And I ended up getting $8,600 for about $100,000 in damages. Um, that was how that project started. And that was back <laughs> oh my God. That was back in 2017. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we just reopened. So we had to survive uh, the collapse of a, of a building, a global pandemic. And um, I say all that um, not just to say, man, I've endured so much, which I have. But the brighter side of that is, I just have to, like, I haven't done any of this on my own. Like, one, uh, my family, 100%, couldn't have done it without them. 
partners I've had over, especially over the last several, several years, Carrie Beckett, she's stuck through like most people would have jumped on to like a little bit of a smoother sailing ride. Uh-huh. Um, but she just fell in love with the vision and for her to stick through and still be supporting like everything that we do because we're still making it and yeah. we're still making it happen. And then if it wasn't the support of Washington, like community wise, like encouraging that like the path is right and mm-hmm. it's good and that you need to keep going forward. Like I would have thrown in the towel if people were just didn't take the time to genuinely thank me or like yeah. be a part of it. Or if there wasn't other business owners that came to Washington and like, you know, opening something really awesome too, like what I've done wouldn't be enough for all this to work. Mm-hmm. 19 North wouldn't have the draw if Liberty Pole and Red Pump and mm-hmm. Washington Brewery and Southern Yanks mm-hmm. and the Cheerful Balloon, a retail shop after we lost our only retail shop, uh-huh. just some unique expression. If people didn't keep coming to Washington, everything I worked for um, could be lost at any time. Mm-hmm. So knowing that I'm surrounded by strategic partners on a daily basis, whether they're connected to me, family, love, or just because we're all in Main Street together, um, I just have to be so thankful and grateful. And if I had to say anything, that's the only way I survived everything is just the people that have actually supported me. Yeah, there's. it feels like there's a lot of, a lot of the right people are starting to get involved with a lot of, th- like you mentioned Shana. Yep. Shana's killing it. Um, I work with, no, we work together on a lot of things with uh, some over at CDC, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels like there's a lot of the right people that are starting to get involved. And I, I think a lot of that comes from, it's, it's difficult when everything, when nothing's here, mm-hmm. it's difficult to see a vision because you just kind of feel like the crazy person. Yeah. Right. But once a couple things start to happen, it's like, hold on a second. Okay. Okay. I can see th- this isn't that crazy. We've got a long way to go. We've got less of a way to go now. We've mm-hmm. got like, there's room for improvement, but. As soon as you've got a couple little things that people can latch onto, then mm-hmm. everything else feels a little bit more attainable, a yeah. little bit easier. Um, somebody else has had a restaurant. Okay, well maybe there's an event space. There's mm-hmm. a uh, there's a coffee shop. There's a pizza. Like there's all these things. There's um, and it just becomes a little bit easier. But you kind of need the cat. Like you need a couple people to yeah. to kind of. Suffer through the shit. You need the pioneers. They say the you know the pioneers catch the most mm-hmm. arrows. Yeah. And uh, there's a few of us that I know that we've endured that for a long time. But also, we're also on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. So when we finally put ever we take everyone that's been over the last decade putting their passion, their heart forward, and the right developer comes along, and I've pitched at Washington to um, lots of people <laughs> that could probably bought the t- the town mm-hmm. ten times over, but. The allure wasn't there or the financial return wasn't mm-hmm. there, like, or they're not from the area, so they just don't care. But we're going to get to a point where Washington becomes so special that someone's going to see where we're at and see the gold in Washington. Mm-hmm. And they're going to plant the residential pieces. They're going to build, like, where all those buildings were finally torn down, mm-hmm. you know, um, on the corner of Chestnut and Main Street. Man, if I put, we go four stories, 60 units, imagine we moved 100-some people downtown. All of a sudden, there's 100 people with jobs walking mm-hmm. around, spending money at the local businesses. And someone says, man, these buildings are, you know, 80% occupied. And now the, um, you know, another, uh, the college is saying, man, if we could have a safer route as we improve, like, our lighting and mm-hmm. we're working on Pine Alley for a more transitional pathway mm-hmm. between the college and the downtown, 
and then people bring more and more residential because now people visiting the college they are now comfortable and yeah. actually excited to stay downtown yeah and now that there's people walking around downtown and then when the president of the college gets to take people on a tour uh, instead of losing one out of four students because of the downtown tour, mm -hmm. because kids say, Mom, I don't, this isn't where I want to live as a young adult, where parents are saying, I don't know if this is safe because mm -hmm. until, I mean, it has been that many years. We had a lot of fences up mm -hmm. over like blight. Mm -hmm. And that, but if you're not from here, you're just thinking, this isn't safe or crime's high or mm -hmm. the perception is. But a lot of people, even though we see that on a daily basis, it's our hometown, we put such a good foot forward, like we've actually still, the fences are removed. There's murals in their places. Yeah. There's new businesses. And as we inspire enough people, there's going to be people that are going to be magnetized, drawn back to Washington that are going to start investing on the real estate piece and the residential side. And because we have a critical mass of things to do and walk to, that's what makes it worthwhile to live in. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see the second, third floors being occupied uh, with new housing, with renovation, and then we're going to take some of these old buildings and someone's going to put new living situations, efficiency mm -hmm. apartments, uh, and different things where people can live in a hip, cool, freaking town. And it's going to be ours, you know, we're, and we're getting close. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of the right people. Um, you're doing a ton of work, obviously. Um, yeah, I, that all sounds like something that I want to be a part of. Yeah, um, we are. And I appreciate the taking the time to just you know, give business owners like us a spotlight because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, again, we're, we're too busy working to stop and tell our stories. And yeah. sometimes that's the story helps other people realize that, man, they're going through the same stuff I am. Yeah. And they made it. Yeah. So I am too. Yeah. So it's, it, it's a lot to have a, a voice that's not driven by an agenda, but you're literally genuinely just want to hear our story and use it to help inform other people. So I got to thank you for the, for your efforts in the podcast for Thanks. sure. Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad I can, uh, help to, to highlight some people. Um, anything else before we go? All of the links to all of the uh, current venues and um, presidents, but all of those things will be down below. Uh, but awesome. anything else that um, any final parting words? You kind of just summed up everything, but yeah. uh, anything else before you go? No, to be honest, I think uh, I think we covered everything that I felt okay. was, was good to cover. And uh, again, I do appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Um, thanks for coming on. Thank you for all that you're doing. Um, I said at the beginning, but you are, uh, you know, you're a catalyst and a person that is, you've the name behind several of the staples in Washington right now. So, um, so it's cool. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for what you're doing. Keep it up. Keep up the good I work. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, Till next time, see ya.